0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Normal. This is Michael. I'm here with Andre. And today we have a guest. We're doing an interview with Dr. Ashley Hales, who is an author, speaker and also the podcast host of Finding Holy. She got her PhD in English in Scotland. And she's the author of the 2018 book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs. And today we're talking to her about her forthcoming book, A Spacious Life Trading Hustle and Hurry for the Goodness of Limits, which comes out this September.
1: Dr. Hales, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you, it's wonderful to be here.
1: Awesome, and aside from what Michael just uh, said uh, to introduce you, do you wanna introduce yourself a little bit further, uh, maybe about uh, some of the things you're working on?
2: Sure, yeah, well, my husband and I just, and our four kids just recently moved from Southern California to Colorado. So we are working on unpacking a lot of boxes and trying to enjoy our new place and going on lots of hikes. Um, But other than that, most of the things I am working on at this point Um, have to do with promotion and marketing materials for A Spacious Life. Um, With a few odd just early mornings, sometimes I'll get some morning pages in and write a little bit of memoir. Um, I'm eventually hopeful to be working on kind of translating some of my PhD research into something more readable for people who don't like reading PhD dissertations.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And Andre knows I can't resist asking, but my dad and I do a lot of mountain climbing. So where exactly <laughs> do you live in Colorado and what have what yes. you done?
2: So we, we live um, in Erie, which is north of Denver and probably about 15 miles outside of Boulder. So we're just exploring a lot of Boulder Canyon right now. And hope to make it to Rocky Mountain National Park soon, later this summer.
0: Okay, do you know what, uh, do you know what the flat irons are? Yeah. Okay, so I climbed the first one, like the one further oh, down, right, if you're So there.
2: cool. Okay, awesome. Okay, so I'll have something to tell my teenage boys. <laughs> <laughs> love the
0: uh, yeah. But I'm sure our listeners are here for something other than climbing. So just to kind of jump into your book, uh, talking about the goodness of limits and uh, a spacious life. So Uh, One of the premises of the book is about this intersection between freedom and limits. And when we think of freedom, we like to think of limitlessness. But how does placing limits on our lives actually increase our freedom?
2: Yeah, you know, I think most of us, we can really relate to the problem of limitlessness, where we realize, you know, either you've scheduled too many things or you've got like I remember in high school, I took way too many AP classes. And I think I thought I could do a lot more than I was actually capable of. Um, And it resulted in this breakdown my junior year of like, I can't do all of these things. And so we have a visceral sense, I think, of when we go past or transgress our normal human limits that we often are felt, we feel exhausted, we feel overwhelmed. We don't feel more human. We don't feel like we are living this kind of flourishing life, this easy yoke that Jesus promises us. So I think we can all understand what l- feeling like overdone um, and living without limits feels like. But I think most of the time we still, we still think in part of our soul that the way that we get to like a meaningful life, a spacious life is actually by doing more, right? Like putting more good things on the calendar or working really hard, or making sure we check off our Bible reading plans, or that these are the sorts of activities. The more activities we do, the more generous we are, the more we show up at church, that we'll actually live into this more spacious life that Jesus promises us. But what I found really interesting as I've walked through this idea, and as I walked through the um, narrative of Christ in the Gospels primarily, is that we actually see that we weren't created for limitlessness, right? That limits are part of God's good creation. They're not something that happens because Adam and Eve sinned. So limits are actually built into creation. They're actually good. The limits that God gives us are good. Now we go all off and create really bad limits too. And we use limits often to suppress or silence other people. But the limits that God gives us out of his love, are actually the ones that intend t- to help us flourish best. I like to just think, you know, if we think about if we didn't have any sort of speed limit, right, on the freeway, if there were no guardrails, if they weren't like dotted lines, that freedom would really turn to danger really quickly. And there would be a lot more casualties, right, on on our highways. We need we need some sort of boundary lines, right? To know where we're supposed to go. And um, probably a lot of your listeners too can also think about how stressful it is not only to choose a major, but then like to figure out like what you're supposed to do with your life. Like that when like every option is open to you, like it's super, it causes us to shut down and we get overloaded and we have decision fatigue. Instead of saying, maybe, you know, you had a counselor growing up who was like, you know, you tend to be really good at humanities or you have a really great engineering brain. And that gives you a lane to go in that actually increases your freedom and your ability to play and be curious and creative. Then, actually, when we have every option open to us, we tend to shut down.
1: That's that's really really good. And uh, thank you so much for those insights. I think one thing that definitely stuck with me is how you said during your junior year you had uh, the feelings of, of of breaking down. I think all of our yeah. listeners can uh, can relate to that. And I know for sure that I definitely can. Um, that seems to be the peak of high school for a lot of people, but. Right. Uh, I think that uh, one thing that another thing that our, our listeners, um, I think, can really uh, relate to and resonate with is kind of this grind of college or, or high school and work and then the thoughts of, you know, having a family. And it, it feels like the grind kind of goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like these are things that are, are necessary for us to, to do. Um, how do we how do you think we can differentiate between biblical rest and unbiblical laziness?
2: Mm, that's a great question. Um you know, I I I have a chapter on the book about the importance of rest, um, not only like a Sabbath rest, but also just like even in the course of our day. Um, how sleep is actually important, you know, it changes it helps our bodies function as they are supposed to. Like we have these limits, right? That God created human beings to have. Like you can't skimp on sleep for too long or you will feel it. Um, not just in your body, but like you'll feel horrible like pulling those all nighters to try to do well on an exam, and then you feel disgusting for like a whole week. And so I think these sorts of limits help remind us that we're human and that there there is a proper place, like you're saying, for good rest. Um, and usually that rest looks like it has to be directed towards God, right? If God is the center of our identity, if he calls us his children, and we're being invited to live within his good limits, then our rest that's directed towards him is good rest. And so, I mean, you might need more sleep than I do. We all take like recreate differently. Um, But I think there's different ways in which we, we know that we function best. Um, And for, for me, so so some of the things that I do, um, we try to really take an intentional Sabbath as a family, which means like usually screens are on. Um, We try to, and make sure like we're playing as a family. We, we usually we always eat dessert first as like a celebration um, that this day it's is like special. That. My kids love that and probably that's what they will remember <laughs> is that we got dessert um, on Sundays and you know that these are the sorts of like celebratory acts of rest too. So sometimes our rest looks like ceasing from overwork and simply resting and sleeping. And sometimes it's like a celebration towards God and with people we love about his work in the world and just getting to exult in creation and each other. But That's- to answer your question quickly about the laziness, but um, most of the time, I think when we are on kind of our Western treadmill of hustle and hurry, it looks like we're doing more. And so we use rest, we use rest to like, Kind of, like, we're a piece of technology that we're plugging in, and so that because we've overworked and we're overexhausted, and our batteries empty, so we use rest to kind of plug ourselves in so we can be productive again. What's beautiful about the creation story is that rest actually starts right. The people, Adam and Eve, right, their work begins out of rest, and I, that's what the Sabbath practice is too. That Sabbath begins in rest, so that that's we first receive before we like go out and do our work. Our work is a response to the rest that God has given to us. And so maybe a question might be, do I feel like a piece of technology where I'm overworked and my rest then is so that I can be more productive is a good kind of diagnostic question. Um, and then, or like, does my work feel like I'm resting in who God made me and the people he's given to me and around me and that's going to feel a lot different. It's going to feel lighter probably than like, I'm just exhausted and now I'm binge watching Netflix with bag of chips.
0: Wow. That's so good. I've never thought of rest that way, but I love what you said about a Sabbath. I'm not like a sabbatarian per se, but right. I, last year I read John Mark Comer's the ruthless yes. hurry, which was great. And uh, one of his chapters convinced me to take a Sabbath. Those since then, whenever I'm in school, I take like a 24 hour period off of work. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's which awesome. Is
2: just so rejuvenating.
0: Oh, for sure. And so you talked a bit about like screens off during uh, your family Sabbath. So and I was looking through the table of contents of your book and chapter three of the book was titled Jesus Isn't on Instagram. So can you talk about the role of like limiting our social media use as a path to freedom?
2: Yeah, you know, I think what's fascinating, I think, is often when we get on a computer or we get on our phones, it's to kind of escape. It's the same idea of like the way that we misuse rest and we use it like to plug in and be more productive. I think often we're on social media to like escape the pangs of being an actual person in an actual body in a particular moment of time in a particular place. Um, and so with like social media, primarily you can kind of be everywhere at once. And so it, it kind of, it feels like a life Of freedom because it feels limitless, right? Like you can be conversing about this topic with this group of people, and like if you don't like that the way that person's voting, and you know they live with you on your dorm room floor, they're your actual next door neighbor. Like on on social media, you don't have to interact with them, Um, or you can tell them how stupid they are, right? On in the Facebook comment, Um, and so I think the the kind of allure of social media and the allure of the internet is that you can be like God, you know, it's Satan's kind of early question to Eve, like you'll know good and evil. And I think what's really important for us is to remember is that God desires to be with us in those places of pain, you know, or boredom of being a person in a particular place in a particular time. And I think it's just important sometimes to begin to ask our questions, ourselves those questions about why am I going here? and. Um, you know, if you see feel envy creeping in or you you weren't invited to that party that you see on social media or, or whatever it is that you begin to feel because of your experience on social media or you're getting angry and then it's easy to categorize like one group of people or a way someone votes um, and demonize a group of people. Once you kind of realize that those sorts of things are going on in your own soul, I think taking breaks is just like a little social media detox um, Andy Crouch, in his book, Tech-Wise Family, talks about taking making sure you have an hour a day, a day, a week, and a week a year where you are going without your screen, um, not checking email, not flitting around social media. And I think that's a really helpful boundary as we don't want the things we consume to consume us.
1: that's that's really, really good. and and kind of like, Michael said uh, that Helix Table of Contents, Another thing we looked at is is the press release for your book. Um, And just wanted to reiterate to everyone that um, it is coming out soon. You guys should definitely check it out. Um, But in that you uh, discussed a little bit how parenting kind of gave you this new lens um, of kind of establishing uh, limits, narrowing your focus um, and that kind of thing. A lot of our listeners uh, don't have kids or potentially don't have kids. Um, Yeah. What tips do you have for young adults um, on maybe some things that can help ground them and help them set, uh, some of these natural limits, um, that are, that you kind of mentioned, um, and could you, you know, potentially describe how some of those may may apply to our
2: lives here? Yeah, um, well, hopefully, I think if we all learn a little bit to, like, live within our limits earlier, I think that would be great. I think, unfortunately, so much, right, of our cultural narrative is, The way that we succeed, the way that you're like a valuable, worthwhile human being is to be productive, to be um, helpful to society, uh, and to like the only way we can be happy, we think, is by working harder and spinning our wheels a little bit more and achieving. Um, And it's not to say that achievement is bad, but I think we can often transgress our normal human limits to try to get from our achievement something that achievement can never provide. And so what I love about the story of the gospel, right, is that our identity primarily is received, it's not achieved. And so that means we live differently, right? We live within limits. And so whether or not you're a parent, I think a few things, even if you even just want to think, okay, like how do I structure my time? You know, do I, cause I think a lot of the time we think of freedom, we think of unlimited autonomy, right? That that's what it looks like, at least in America to be free is to basically do whatever I want with whomever I want, whenever I want. And as long as it doesn't bother anyone else, then I'm free. And so I have the freedom to kind of craft and curate my own life. And of course that's leaving us exhausted and overwhelmed. But if we just even think about something as like how, what our structure of a week looks like or a structure of a day, I think um, thinking about you know how much time am I on my phone? You know, am I trying to get something out of my social media interactions that only God can provide? You know, am I actually sleeping? <laughs> you know, am I caring for my body and viewing it as a temple of the Holy spirit, instead of simply like overworking and over, overdoing it. Um, and even, even you thinking too, like, what are, you know, what are my unique limits? Maybe, And when you've had a really crazy busy week, a finals week, like it's probably good then to like step back and like slow down and do less the next week. Even So even thinking about like, what are my natural rhythms and how has God made me? You might be way more extroverted than I am. And so your limits of being with people and around people are larger, right, than mine. And so even just being aware of what are some of kind of my personality limits? What are some of my bodily limits? Um, what are limits in my time? Um, and then also, what am I choosing? Maybe like, where do I tend? What am I like triggers that tend to help that I will transgress those natural limits? So maybe you consistently overwork your body and you're like working out too much, or maybe you're skimping on sleep, or maybe you're when you get in a rut, you're always on social media, um, or, you know, you're doing, 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 because you don't want to actually go through pain um, or suffering with God, and it's easier to just keep working harder. So I think even just spending time with God, asking him some of those questions about where are my particular limits um, that I tend to transgress, and would you be present with me in them?
0: That's really good, because I like what you said there, because I actually was uh, Andre and I were with a group of guys who were on a ski trip in the winter and we were in Colorado staying mm-hmm. in the Breck area, Frisco area. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, I was sharing with the group how I felt like when my schedule got too full, like I would get too anxious about the schedule. And mm-hmm. so, uh, one thing that I always try to like prioritize into the schedule though, is community and like specifically like with the local church that I'm a member yeah. at. And one thing that I feel like, and I just read a book on church memberships. Maybe it's just in the front <laughs> yeah. of my mind, but I feel like we've like lost this idea of like being plugged into a church and having the right community, I guess, and like prioritizing that. So where do you mm-hmm. see Christians falling short of God's vision for community and how are how are our hurried lives impacting that?
2: Yeah, um, I, you know, I have a bit in the book where I talk about, you know, some of the metaphors Jesus uses, right? To talk about the church, right? Is that we, we'd be salt, right? Salt of the earth. And one thing I love about salt uh, is not, it, it makes food taste really good, right? When it's used properly. And most of us don't use enough salt in our cooking. But um, I think, like, and it, so you have to have a lot of it together to actually do something good. Like, in, instead of, like, one little salt crystal grain is really not going to do anything. You're not going to taste it. It's not going to be flavorful. You're not going to get your pasta water, like, the right so, uh, Samin Nosrat, who wrote uh, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, it was a documentary on Netflix as well, talks about like your pasta water should be as salty as the ocean is. I was like, oh, I've been making pasta wrong my whole life. But what what I love about that and that Jesus talks about his people as salt is that they like we have to be combined together and like kind of dropped into this boiling pot of the world <laughs> to be flavorful, right? To affect change, to do anything. Um, and I think. Unfortunately, there's so much in kind of our Western American worldview that says you need to like leave everybody and like find your own path like that's all of our origin stories in early American literature. And instead, Jesus is saying, actually, you need to be drawn together in a big old group uh, to be able to affect change and that our deepest identity is yes, with God as beloved children, but secondarily as part of the church. Um, because the church tells us how we belong to a people, right? And what's, and it tells everyone else who is not a Christian that God and grace are actually real. Because who else? When you have all of these disparate people who vote differently, who look differently, who come from different cultures and ethnicities and languages and still choose to be together because God's grace is bigger than that. Um, so I think, yes, find a local church, dig in, be yourself warts and all, and let other people be themselves warts and all, and wait for the spirit to show us what does it look like to actually live in community. We'll find ourselves a lot more fulfilled than trying to kind of curate our own autonomous lives.
1: I agree. That's that's really good. And uh, our last uh, two questions are kind of just lighter questions we like to ask uh, all the people we uh, interview. Um, and we've kind of tried, started doing this recently, and you have kind of given uh, a few people that uh, you've kind of given as resources that, that uh, have impacted you or that you used mm-hmm. already. Uh, but we, we love to ask, you know, who's an influential uh, person or uh, Christian thinker, author, uh, podcaster that has impacted you recently? Um, you know, partially just as, a, as another thing that uh, our listeners can go in and, and seek out. Um, if yeah. They want to.
2: Thanks. Um, one of my favorite pastors and writers um, writing today is Scott Falls, and he's written maybe four or five books. And he really is trying to write in this intersection of what does the gospel say? And then like, how do we live in the world? Um, he's a sane voice. He's a gentle voice and a kind voice. Um, And so I really appreciate Scott's um, kind of warmth, both warmth towards people and understanding. Um, our brokenness, but also pointing us to the goodness of Jesus. So he is one that I um, really enjoy reading and listening to his sermons um, online. Um, I've been reading a lot of Charles Taylor, who's a, philosopher, a Canadian philosopher. Um, a secular age Yeah. Right yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm like, I don't know if that's everyone's cup of tea, but um, it, he does kind of give us a road. He does kind of give us a roadmap uh, for a lot of what's kind of happened culturally, and so I really appreciate his wisdom, and it's pretty readable for, you know, a philosophical tome, so that would be kind of some good starting places, I feel like.
0: That's awesome. Thanks so much. Love the Charles Taylor rec, And I'm looking forward to, I actually want to read uh, Scott Saul's book on, I think it was a gentle answer or something. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Came out at a good time with COVID and everyone
2: shouting at each other. So definitely worth a read.
0: And our last uh, light question is I have a cup of of coffee right here and we're big coffee drinkers. So do you have uh, any, do you like coffee? Do you drink, do you like any specialty drinks, anything of that sort?
2: I love coffee and yeah, I just drink a black though. I feel like I'm 80 years old and drinking coffee now, like my grandmother, but <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's but yeah, awesome. this is just my water. So I actually drink it. Yeah. it's With my little straw.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And thank you so much again for joining us today and definitely uh, check out um, the book for all of our listeners and um, check out the resources that, that, um, were mentioned and hope you guys enjoyed this episode.